0: Hi, I'm Eric Christensen, filmmaker, messenger, and ambassador of hope. I'm here on the Life Changes channel to talk about my new film, Unmasking Hope.
1: Life comes with many changes. Some are expected, some are unexpected, some positive, some challenging, but you don't have to navigate them alone. There are people who care and want to help. You're in the right place because I'm here to connect you with them. What is your next step? Making choices that involve change can be difficult. Where can you find the resources who have answers for your questions? Our team of experts and professionals can help you make informed decisions with less stress to help you manage these changes in your life easier. You'll also meet people just like you who share their stories to encourage you not to give up. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thank you for joining me today on the Life Changes channel podcast, where we'll cover topics around life changes that you might be facing in your career and education, health, finances, relationships, parenting, aging, real estate, lifestyle, loss, and personal growth. This show started out as a Divorce Magazine Canada podcast, but so much of the content could also apply even if you aren't dealing with a divorce or separation. So now it's Life Changes Channel. There will still be lots of information to support you or someone you care about who is dealing with divorce or separation. I encourage you to go back and meet all the incredible guests in the earlier episodes. There is so much gold there. And hey, did you know we have a YouTube channel, a new Life Changes Channel, and free magazines with articles from our team available across much of Alberta, as well as on our website, lifechangesmag.com. We also hold online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome. Check out the links in the show notes and be sure to join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com and stay tuned at the end for the legal language ready here we go
2: here's a chance for you to be entered in multiple draws for multiple gift cards and all i need is your opinion and your feedback take our survey link is in the show notes let us know what we can do to help you more and where you're looking for more information now today's guest is eric christensen a filmmaker who has done some incredible work with uh, documentaries that he's produced We're going to hear more about why he's done it, how it affected his life, and what he was hoping to accomplish with this. Let's meet him now. Welcome, Eric, to the channel and to the show. Um, As everybody can hear, I'm struggling with a little bit of a throat thing. I've got some kind of a cold bug, but um, we're going to just plow forward, and I'm going to let Eric do most of the talking for obvious reasons. Eric I am really thrilled to have you on the show. I have seen your documentary. We watched it. I watched it with my husband and we were just just really blown away. Not only by the videography which is just top-notch, but the content was so compelling. So, yes, we're I'm just excited that you're here and we get to meet you and talk about, you know, what brought you to be, like, make a film like this. And more about the background of it, I'm really impressed with the clinical component.
0: Well thank you, Dana. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's so nice to hear people experiencing the crossover that's in the film. And uh, when I say the crossover is uh, you know the the artful storytelling, um, the lyrical storytelling, you know, going back to my kind of more artist kind of background combined with the clinical and these powerful stories of these people that have survived horrific things. And um, and then also the patchwork of the fact that these are very, very um, different traumas. But eventually when you watch the whole story, it, it's one story. And because uh, we have 9-11 survivors, we have mass shooting survivors, you know, and sexual abuse survivors, and the veteran. So how did all those fit together? So I guess you have to watch the film to find out, right? (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) It is fascinating, yes. And so what led you to document something like this?
0: You know, gosh, I could take up the rest of our time here and I'll try to truncate that is, you know, I've been doing these type of films now for over 30 years. And that kind of dates me a little bit, but, and this is my fourth feature film. Kinda, I would say, in this niche, basically about um, grief recovery and trauma recovery, and that's you know the soul of the movie. And I I add grief in there because it's a big component. I mean, the trauma is the incident; the grief's kind of the aftermath. And so, how did I get let let into this? Is over thirty years ago, I lost my home in the Pana Cave fire disaster in Santa Barbara, and um, I was I've been working in the industry basically. I've been making films since I was eight years old, working in the industry since I was, looked old enough to work on a set. and um, But uh, I was working in the industry over 30 years ago, lost my home in the Painted Cave fire. And, uh, and that was kind of, it was devastating, obviously. And it took me about seven months to kind of have my epiphany, I would say. And part of my epiphany was that I kind of, God was giving me a clean slate. And I was able to start over. And part of that was I naively said, you know, this is really fascinating about our survivor circle, you know, because I was part of the, the survivors and, um, and we could talk to each other really well and communicate, but to the outside world, it is very difficult to communicate what we're going through. And I had the skills. And so that was my really first documentary. I'd cut some other and work on other documentaries, but that was my first personal documentary. And, um, I had it. it was the quickest film I've ever done believe it or not I had it done a year after the fire and uh, at the same time I was I got into recovery from drugs and alcohol and got clean and sober which I still am 32 years later through the grace of God and, and a fellowship that I belong to but um that was, yeah, that was my first film, Faces in the Fire, and it won my first Emmy Award and premiered on the anniversary, the first anniversary of the fire. I'll never have made a film that only took a year again, which was really nice. I don't see how I did it.
2: You're very driven.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then I went on to um, 10 years. I, I got. I worked in the industry a lot after that film in, in the documentary space, and uh, then 10 years later, I was praying for a similar project, and it landed on my lap when my friend Bob Trimble was telling me about a motorcycle ride, he goes on for that he was going on. He's a Vietnam veteran and uh, his mom had just passed and a lot of stuff was coming up again and he was going on this motorcycle ride and it was actually a pilgrimage from California to the wall in Washington DC with a bunch of other Vietnam vets. And I'm like, wow, that would make a good movie. And the next thing I know is two weeks later, I was hitting the road and my, my wife is at home with our two, with her latest, my middle son was just born, and my older son, and I hit the road and and made a, a film called Homecoming, A Vietnam Vet's Journey, and that was my first PBS film, and it was released on PBS, and garnered a great review in the New York Times, and then again, for some reason, 10 years later, came Searching for Homecoming, Back from War, which is my latest film before Unmasking Hope, and if you Google searching for home, coming back from war, it's on Voodoo, it's on Apple TV. Uh, it's also, it's also my distributor has it for free now on YouTube for veterans. Um, searching for home, coming back from war, and then flash forward another, I don't know how many, eight years, it was eight years November 11th, I released that film. So this November 11th will be the eight year anniversary, and now I have Unmasking Hope. And Unmasking Hope itself, um it, it's it, it's a culmination of all three of those films and uh as you say if you want me to keep going i'll just keep going on this so you know oh have please do but this is the fact is unmasking hope is a culmination of all three of those films you know i had a film about fire recovery and the grief you know and trauma recovery from the fire then i did you know, two films about veterans. The second film about veterans, Searching for Home, I really mixed up the veterans. Veterans of all different wars and generations. And that was kind of an experiment that I called my thesis. You know, because all people basically believe heal the same. It's like being on a cruise ship. You know, you can go do a lot of different things on the cruise ship. And this is an analogy for healing. You can do a lot. There's a lot of different, what I would say, modalities. You can go to the bar. You can go to the water slide. You can do the excursion. But the cruise ship is going to end up, usually, it goes the same route and it's going to end up the same place. And that's basically, I believe, how God has set up the healing process that we you end up hopefully at the same place and it, and everything happens, but the particulars are different. And so, with having those vets of different um, wars basically tell a story, that's what inspired me for Unmasking Hope. And with Unmasking Hope, I have completely different traumas. From 9-11 to mass shootings, to sexual abuse, to, uh, of course, I have my veteran again. And because uh, I know that space, I actually started with my veteran, sandra Lee. She was, I'm like, okay, I'll build that kind of the story around her because she was in my other film, Searching for Home. I knew that story, then I built the rest. And got the rest around her, and um, but my again, my thesis was, even though those are completely diverse traumas, that the recovery was similar, and I could tell one singular story, and um, I do believe I was quite successful in doing that because we all kind of healed the same way, even though it was very very different from from going to a country music festival. And then being open fired upon, and it's 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 that's a whole other discussion. Um. And and having fifty eight people not make it out of that festival, you weren't planning on that. Very different than the veterans. Yes. It's not like the veterans asked for it, but the veterans kind of expect it mm-hmm. that something will happen. So, but it was very different for me as a filmmaker to actually have that moment when I realized, oh my gosh. I mean, what a shattering event, but, but so diverse is, and then versus 9-11, you know, you're, but then again, it, it, it came out of the blue, you know, uh, Becky was just going, she was the the woman in the film, Becky, on, uh, uh, let's see if I'm correct, 2001, September 11th, 2001, if I'm correct. She was going into Tower 2 on her second her first anniversary of her job at Morgan Stanley. And um and then look what happened, you know, and uh, and then we have our veteran, but very, very different stories, but they still wove wove together. And then um you know with Unmasking Hope I used a lot of different storytelling elements in conveying the experience of the survivors. Mm-hmm. And um uh, if you want me to, mean I can keep going here.
2: Oh, this this is amazing because having watched the film, it was very moving. It, you know, you depicted them in such a way that we could empathize with the experience they'd had and the trauma that it had caused in their lives and, and how they needed to face that and heal it. And then the hope, I think it's very aptly named you know, you, um, you're unmasking from that trauma, but there's hope. There is hope to heal. And it's a very encouraging film.
0: And that's a, that's a really interesting part to draw out is the the hope aspect. And, um, all my films have hope. All my films are about the healing. It's not about the incident. I don't want the, just the, the drama, um, the grandstanding of the actual incident i want to talk about what happens afterwards it's not like the news it's not you know exploitative Mm -hmm. of of the event it's actually about what the soul goes through afterwards and i like and i use that word on purpose especially with unmasking hope i try to drill down into you know the 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 surface but behind and um it's interesting because when I'm cutting the film, I always end up with a lot of stuff about the incident with mm-hmm. searching for home, a lot of stuff about how the attack occurred, how the IED yeah. occurred, what happened, all this stuff. And then and, and then with I'm asking Hope. I had this whole thing on 9-11 and what happened to Jack Delaney, who was the first responder that's in the film, you know, and how he rushed into. The, uh the first tower that collapsed and and I had no idea the percussion of the terrorism when they came down it was so the force was so great coming out of the bottom and he flew back and like Superman literally hundreds of feet and I had all this stuff and all this detail about what happened but going back to what I was saying is I have to cut that stuff out and make it just okay this is what happened. And it, it, it's a tiny part. It's a quarter of the story. Then that seventy-five percent is, you know, uh, I would say about that uh, another twenty to of thirty percent of the that is finding their finding their way, being confused afterwards. That confusion after the disaster, you know, after the trauma,
2: and that and, survivor guilt too. Yeah, like,
0: the survivor guilt. Everything because... that comes out.
2: It was very well balanced that way. I'm, and I'm happy that you mentioned that because it was, it was obvious that it was a focus on not those incidents. There was enough there to help you feel some of their their fear and their terror in those moments. But but it didn't just focus on that. And I really like that because I think we're so inundated with with those details from the news, like you say, um let's talk about the people and how it affected them and in the future what happened with them
0: yeah and i I was just having a discussion with actually one of the one of the survivors molly who actually was in two mass shootings unbelievable and we were talking about how how particularly in the mass shooting incident i used animation and you're like used animation that that's really it but i didn't want to use I used a tiny bit of stock footage and you can barely see it because I've kind of masked mm-hmm. it because I don't want to have a piece that is what I would call activating yes. the survivors. Yes. But also I want to like go into a place in people's mind, we see enough of the raw reality of things. I wanted to go to a place in people's mind by using the animation, by just having a more lyrical Um, approach to it where it's left to your imagination and you hear their words but then your imagination you're connecting with their words and not the visceral oh my gosh look everybody's running from the bullets footage it's more of a reaction of the individual and to their words and connecting with this lyrical kind of broader aspect to let you interpret that and not activate the individuals. So that was a very uh, intentional piece. But um, I, go ahead. I so,
2: I, sorry, Eric. Um, I, I so appreciate hearing some of the intention and the direction that you were intending to do with this and how you, uh, it was just beautifully done. But now to hear that these pieces um You know, you took into consideration your audience, obviously, as a filmmaker, you're going to do that, but considering how it would affect them, you wanted to get across the message to the people who haven't experienced it, but also with some compassion around those who were there, who did experience it. And I I just think it was beautifully done. And it's, it's very interesting to hear what your intention was and how you put a lot of thought and consideration into this. I can see why it took you four years.
0: <laughs> well, the editing itself was a year. And that was, but but I can't really say fully it was a year because there was a lot of like prep that went into that. But that's a whole nother conversation. But going along the stream where we're at is the um with putting together the the incident and then as I say, then the confusion and that lost space. And I'm hoping, and particularly with unmasking hope. I kind of use the structure of acts more than I ever have with the first act kind of setting it up, which is the incident and the aftermath of the incident. Then the second act is like that period where they're starting to figure out something's wrong with them, but they're not sure with the end of the second act, hopefully being they find actually probably either somebody else or some other activation to their healing. That there is a way out, and it's usually through what I call the miracle of identification. And for me, it's a miracle of identification. When I was a when I was, I am a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, <laughs> mainly a good old-fashioned alcoholic, but I still go to my meetings. And the miracle of identification when I say, Hi, I'm Eric, I'm an alcoholic, and everybody says, Hi, Eric, wow, that's still it. 32 years later, that still chills me. So going back, that's my entree, kind of my whole personal recovery into their world. And so when I hear like, um, particularly Molly talking about when she finally went to a group and there was other people that were went through mass shootings, she heard their story. She's like, oh, my God, there's other people. I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. And it looks like some of these people are kind of dealing with it. I wonder how they're dealing with it. And that's miracle identification. And that comes kind of at the end of the second act. And the third act is all about, you know, how they heal. And that's, you know, basically, in a nutshell, my whole structure for Unmasking Hope. But going back to being gentle with the audience, You know, and I pride myself on this. I made these kind of films for 30 years. I love, I literally love the people in the film. You know, and I love sitting in an audience with the people. And I've sat in enough audiences for my films and stuff to really feel their energy, feel the journey they go on. And I try to give them what I feel is appropriate to honor the people in the film and their their overall sacred journeys because you know I'm kind of a fortunate guy to be able to sit there and and hear these stories that are life changing it is their sacred journey so and, and
2: we're fortunate that you have given them a voice to share it a platform to share it um now at this point I want to help people understand that We're not just going to keep talking about this film and not give you a way to watch it. So Eric will be sharing the links with me, which I will put in the show notes for where you can find this film, as well as his other films to, to be able to see them and and see his work because I I highly recommend that you check this out. Now I've only seen one. I can't wait to watch the others. Uh, It's just fascinating to just to hear how these came about. How has, how has your work and you know specifically say unmasking hope which is the film that i've seen has that affected your life what has that done in your life for you
0: well that's where you get all emotional um <laughs> that's okay you know
2: really that's okay it we is, don't we don't frown really on emotions
0: <laughs> this, this is just an analogy okay so i have my silly peloton and i never thought i'd love a peloton but i do and i'm like <laughs> how am i ever going to like connect with a video instructor. I don't want to make this a show about Peloton, but I tell you, I'm connecting with my instructors. I, I'm finally working out. Get off my Peloton. Okay, that's enough about that. I get off my Peloton this morning and I have a text. And it's one, oh, not a text. I have one of those little reminders. Four years ago today, and Sandra Lee and her wonderful husband, Mac, are at a, um, at a Harvard football game with me. My son played football at Harvard. And they come out. To meet us, and and Sandra Lee, I'd met through um, Searching for Home, coming back from war. She's a PTSD and military sexual trauma survivor that I met through Searching for Home, coming back from war. She was also in Unmasking Hope, and uh, in in Unmasking Hope, I'm not going to give it. I'll give it a little bit away. It does start with Mac and Sandra's wedding, which to me, they're 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 amazing. I, I it just going from where she was at with her military sexual trauma yeah. her PTSD and finding Mac and that that's a that's a soul of Unmasking Hope but that picture came up of us at the football game all together because they came out to meet us there and um, so I just sent it to them I said miss you guys and I just get a little miss you in the heart from Sandra so like connections like that and knowing that uh, God put me in a place where I could play a small part in all these people's healing, literally. This isn't even counting the audiences and the reviews and things like this. This is just like behind the scenes, you know. And I, I still have, you know, I have friends still from, you know, um, Homecoming of Vietnam Vets Journey, J.R. Franklin, a Vietnam vet. And I call him up every, uh, well, actually, um, it's coming up pretty soon. Every Veterans Day, I call him up. And every Veterans Day, there's less and less the other veterans that we know, but uh, JR keeps going. And, you know, and it's just being able to be part of that. I'm doing such meaningful work and being able to use my talents because um, God, God kind of produces my films and puts everything together, but I'm the talent that, like, is doing it. And, and doing the message. That's why I say I'm a messenger and uh so <laughs> it's just everything. But you know, um and we can talk about this later. It's interesting because I, I I'm not too sure at my age right now or anything. And the economics part uh of this of this whole puzzle, I don't know if I'm gonna make any more films right now for a while right now. And um I think unmasking hope could be it for a while. Or I don't know. But anyways. <laughs>
2: I, I have I to. Pay for that. I have to express sincere, deep gratitude to not only you for putting this out into the world, but for the people who participated, for sharing their stories, for that vulnerability, and letting us see into the trauma and some of the darkest moments of their lives, and and then how they healed from that, which gives all of us hope. And my whole tagline for all the work I do is that people know they aren't alone that there are people out there who care and want to help and they understand because they've been there.
0: It's, you know, it's enormous. This sounds like really gnarly. I'm a California dude. Okay. You know, I I live, I I surf. I I was at the beach the other day. Okay. So I say gnarly and stuff, but anyways, it's a gnarly responsibility to carry these stories. But also the other thing is when I talk to people and I get really real about my process, my process is a very spiritual process of how I put these films together. And I rely, I rely on a power greater than me to help really in the long run guide my talents. And so being able to reflect their stories is a big responsibility because they're sacred stories. And, but. I've never had one person come back to me after, and this is four films in 30 years and go being upset with how they were portrayed, you know, because I try to connect to the soul and the core of who they are. And I try to tell their story and not the story. And I learned this early on. I, I, I tried to tell Eric's story through other people. I'd come into an interview with an idea about what I wanted to do because it would make a good story. And I'd, f- but have to fight for that. I when mean, you have to fight for something in art, sometimes it's not the right way to go. Sometimes you have to let the art control you and, and not, I, your, I and not your agenda. <laughs> when I say art, I say it's a big umbrella. Art is a metaphysical and a, and a love thing. Yeah. You know, of connecting and being a, a vessel for somebody to be able to um, unload and connect to you. And so, um, I no longer go into these interviews with any expectations. Uh, I I know what I want to ask, and then I let them talk, and then we're led through the rest of it. So that's how I think the purity comes out in their stories, um, hopefully only lightly encumbered by any of my personal ideas. <laughs> but the funny thing is, you know, the way I put together my films, unmasking hope, you know, when people say, you know, who are you Eric? Well, watch, watch my movie, you know, I'm lyrical. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of what the movie is. So
2: now you have some organizations that you have worked with that you feel are very supportive to help people in these situations. Um, Your film is one of these pieces that is out there in the world to help encourage people to, that they aren't alone, that, you know, seek help. Here are some things that have worked for others. Um, Can you share with us some of these?
0: The the top two things I'm very proud of is, number one, our clinical consultants who are also interviewed in the film, but they are clinical consultants. I like to have a clinical grounding to my films. Uh, and also in the way that I work with the survivors, too. And also the outreach, which I'll get to that, which is kind of taking the message into community and having a place for people to go after viewing the film. But number one, with the clinical consultants, particularly um, Dr. Amit Ekin, um, and you can Google him and out of Stanford University, um, he had Ekin Labs, He's a tenured, he, he was a tenured professor at Stanford, went to Columbia. My son went to Harvard. And so anytime Harvard and Columbia would have a football game, I get on the phone and razz him. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, brilliant, brilliant man. And his work has been around finding markers that are something that you can put your, literally put your finger on. You, mar, when I say markers, some some sort of identifying behavior or marker in individuals before they get into treatment that somehow will predict what treatment will work most efficiently for them. And I'm talking in the mental health space for depression, for anxiety, and for PTSD, for um, trauma-related mental health uh, issues. And so that's been his life's work. Because at best, most treatments, you know, I', I I'm not I can't say for sure, but it's about uh, you know, their efficacy rate is kind of a shot in the dark. If you know people that have attempted to uh, get their depression under control and things, there's so many different options. So what he's trying to find that right now is through a simple process, be able to find a marker that would indicate, oh, this kind of medication, this kind of treatment, et cetera, will be the most effective. And that's his life's work, Dr. Amit Ekin. And he's one of the top researchers in this field. And so he works with us very closely. He's also interviewed in the film, kind of holds the film together clinically with his insights. And then then the other component that I find so important is the outreach. And uh what I say about out, you know, what I mean about outreach is taking the message of the film into community. And so we have a national outreach partner, givenhour.org. And what i like to say is the film itself is a doorway to healing. And the outreach is kind of the safety net. So you walk through that doorway and then you have the outreach. So Give An Hour, uh, givenhour.org, you can look them up. Um, they provide basically free clinical time to people that need mental health um, assistance. And they have clini- a whole list of clinicians across the United States. They're also a very powerful resource for anybody that's looking to begin their mental health recovery journey, or also just to help a friend or a loved one. So givenhour.org. Not only do they offer free clinical when you qualify clinical help, but they offer um, all sorts of amazing resources for people that have went through trauma, people, veterans. Um, all sorts of different things, and so they're they're just amazing, and they've been with us through this this whole process. You know, starting with the edit, they they came on board, and so they've been highly involved, and uh, so they're always available. All their materials. We have a study guide now that's going to be coming out for the film that they put together, and uh, so those aspects to me uh, help me feel uh responsible about putting out a film like this because this even though i do my best not have it activating it's an emotional powerful film and i and people that see it i want them to feel that they have an opportunity that is clinically sound and then they also have an opportunity to reach out and and find a place that they can start their healing journey Or supplement their healing journey through givenhour.org, and
2: And I think that gives a whole package. You know, you didn't, you you aren't dramatizing this, you aren't taking, you know, taking advantage of their stories to create a film. You are using this, and and I love that it's clinically sound. You've offered some resources that they can then seek the help that they need to heal, and Mm -hmm. and you've been sensitive to your audiences. It's. It's it's really impressive work, and I you know I I hope that you do continue to create, but if not, you've you've given the world some beautiful some beautiful work.
0: Yeah, it it just it it blows my mind when I go into my office and I see those four posters, and I'm like, wow, that's a that's a good little legacy there. But but you know what? At this point, at this point, you know, it's up to God, like what comes down the pike, and Mm You know, I have a I have a grandchild now, and a lot of family time coming up, and and you know, and a great wife. So
2: it's <laughs> amazing. I so appreciate your time, Eric. Is there any parting thoughts that you would like to leave with the audience?
0: You know, um, coming into this election year and with all this craziness coming up, and uh, and all this divisiveness, the only thing I want to leave you with is like one word is empathy. And empathy is a dangerous place kind of for some people because it makes you vulnerable. Empathy isn't sympathy. It's not feeling sorry for somebody. It's, it's trying to really honestly understand and put yourself in their shoes emotionally. And, um, and once you can really do that, it, it kind of cuts short these snap judgments of people like seeing the homeless person, if they only got a job or seeing the trans person and saying oh well they have a mental health disorder and or whatever you want to do actually you know they're all at one time they were all somebody's little baby sons and daughters and and it just you know but the empathy of understanding their position and understanding like lead with love you lead with love you know one of the most highly evolved parts i think that i've learned to try to evolve too is to lead with love and love no, mat- love no matter what. But also no, I don't have to agree, but I do have to love. So there you go.
2: That is powerful. Empathy to seek to understand before judgment, lead with love. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Eric. Hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life. Do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about? Let me know. Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world
1: needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through whatever life changes you're facing. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, lifechangesmag.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine and Channel and Divorce Resource Groups are intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada, Life Changes Magazine, and Life Changes Channel, as well as the divorce resource groups, do not constitute endorsements for, nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.